Hello everybody and welcome to Documentation Not Included. It's Thursday at 7pm BST and we are live on twitch.tv forward slash DNI stream. It's time for episode 2.15, Impersonating Developers. I'm Chris C. Walker and unfortunately Jussie cannot be with us today. As everybody knows, she normally does the introduction and she's not here today unfortunately. Uh, but we are joined by our returning guest Gordon. Now Gordon, you have been on the show before. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, please tell everybody what you do, where you're from and why you're here. Sure. Uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, yes, my name's Gordon. Uh, I'm a... Uh, what do I do? I do lots of things. <laughs> the, uh, I, in my work, I'm uh, the co-founder of a company called Lineup Ninja, and I'm the tech guy. So uh, I do all the development and all the ops uh, on the platform. Uh, it's a platform for providing software for event, ma event managers, making their lives easier, saving them loads of time. And I'll do a bit more of a pitch at the end. Um, in yes, my time uh, good, good. Uh, in my other life, uh, I also volunteer as a time to change champion, um, and the uh, time to change is a uh, a charity challenging stigma in mental health. Okay, uh, and I've been involved with this uh, charity for two and a bit years now um, in the community in Leeds. Um, so I'm a big campaigner for trying to improve mental health in the workplace. Um, and uh, Chris was looking for uh, people to come on the show today. And it was World Mental Health Day last Thursday. Yep. Um, so I was participating in an event in, uh, in Leeds. Um, have you ever heard of living libraries, Chris? Not, no, no, I haven't um, ring any bells. Can't say I had until I was asked to participate. But um, the idea is that um, uh, you have an event, and rather than books, you have people. Okay. And then people can borrow a book, and uh, that person is then read by them telling their story. Okay. Um, so what we did as a group of champions was uh, we all got together and we decided uh, each of us put forward a book, uh, like a short abstract, uh, on what they wanted to talk about. Uh, I've had all kinds of topics like depression, anxiety, bipolar, uh, grief, um, and uh, but mine was called uh, the Imposter's Guide to Imposter Syndrome. Okay, uh, and so that, that is the topic for today, isn't it? So, well, before we get into that, though, as mm -hmm. as I said last time, Josie will have my guts for garters if we don't do our oh, yes. our icebreaker question. Mm -hmm. I've got one prepared. So, right. pretty simple one today. If money, okay, time, health and commitments were not an issue whatsoever if, if only. so you know ideal world scenario we can do whatever we want what would you be what would you rather be doing right now oh gosh what would i rather do right now oh uh uh i don't know actually this is this is rubbish answer but i enjoy doing this Right. <laughs> See, that's what we're supposed to say as the hosts of the show. That's... <laughs> I, I, like, I like opportunities to talk about uh, people's mental health. And right. It, it really motivates me, and certainly money does not come into that because uh, it's very much a voluntary thing. Well, charity uh, generally so... is, you know, you do. I, I said I volunteer for a, a local animal charity, and I, I don't necessarily do much for them, but, when, you know, I, I help them in a technical capacity with a website and things like that. I'd never, you know, ask for money. In fact, I pay for website hosting and things like that just just because you know um mm. so yeah that's just, oh, fair enough you know if this is this is one of your passions i wasn't actually aware that you were you know a champion of for a particular charity until i looked at your twitter to, uh, yesterday i think and oh, i noticed right. it in, okay. the, uh -huh. in the title mm -hmm. um, yeah i think last time i was on we were talking about graphql and postgres so yeah we were a lot more up, geeky in that conversation a, a lot more yeah. technical yeah a lot more deep i think um what i would be rather so be what doing would you now, be doing chris yeah uh -huh. um my, my answers usually surrounds not being at my computer in some way, shape, or form. Because I spend so much time at my computer, I'd rather when I, I'd rather be on my bike somewhere hot, riding around and looking at things and discovering new places mm. and new areas. I think that's one of the reasons I like kind of like survival games and computer games, I mean, and, and like yeah. RPGs mm. that are big and massive because I can explore. Mm. And I like mm. doing that in real life as well. Um, of yes. course, dear listeners, I would always much prefer to be here entertaining you guys. <laughs> uh, and, you know, talking about any of the subjects, I always love to talk, but yeah. Um, so, uh, yes. Any, anywhere in particular, somewhere hot? No, nowhere in particular because I, I, 
I like to be, I like to go to new places. I mean, we went to holiday last year, I went to Santorini, for example, uh, and I would never have considered that place, and I certainly wouldn't ever go on my bike in Santorini. It's crazy, crazy and and (laughs) tiny, tiny little roads. Um, Uh But it was, we just went, I I discovered so much, and I got really into the history there and all the old ancient ruins, and there was a book in the hotel that was like, these are some ruins at Akrotori, and and I was just reading about it, and I was was like, right, we've got to go here next, we've got to go and do this tomorrow, you know? That's like, I just like looking at things and discovering little paths that take me to places that, I even just like going on, get on, on my bike and going a different route into town, and going down yeah. roads that I've never been down yeah, before. I just yeah, love that kind it. of thing. Just sit off and try and get lost somewhere, find out yeah. see where it goes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. same, same. Love, love traveling. I love, love, I love visiting cities. All right, you know. Yeah. If, if if there was something that I wasn't doing, you know, this, then you know, yeah, visiting visiting some cities in the world, traveling around, meeting I, new people. I think I prefer rural over cities. But anyway, let's move on. Right, so let's get on to the subject at hand. As um, as Gordon kind of touched on earlier, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome today. Um, Now, if any... Anybody listening, anybody in chat has ever suffered from imposter syndrome, please do get involved. In fact, everybody, <laughs> regardless, get involved, ask questions, because we're, we're here to answer, answer questions. Um, so to me, to, the definition of imposter syndrome, in a professional setting at least, is feeling like a fraud, feeling like you don't have the skills, the knowledge, um, and feeling that everybody else has more knowledge than you, necessarily, um, yeah. and feeling like you're, why am I getting paid? this pay packet to, 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 I don't know what I'm doing. I'm scrabbling every single day. <laughs> That's to me what imposter syndrome. So what to you is? Yeah, exactly that. I'd say uh, a, a pervasive feeling that you're about to be found out at any moment <laughs> that, you know, if you're, you're just one mistake away from being rumbled as a, a total fraud uh, in, in what you're doing. Uh, and that this, this feeling um, just develops over time and uh become it can become quite uh pernicious uh and um you really it's easy to get into a situation where you think that what you're thinking is um that everybody else knows what's going on that like um and that at any moment your um the quality of your work will be insufficient or there'll be a problem with it um and uh, someone will find out, and that's it. You'll get sacked, or you'll be in disciplinary, or something bad will happen. Uh, and fundamentally, it's that. But it's that. I mean, it's that when that happens for a long period of time, uh, it, it can really build up over time. And I think it's like when you start a new job. Okay, it's pretty normal to feel like you don't know what you're doing, and uh, you know that's you know entirely expected. But I think one thing that can happen with it, with imposter syndrome is where particularly um, people that have been in a role for a while, and particularly people that are high achievers, there can be a uh, real um, uh, high risk of uh, developing uh, um, uh, this kind of um, uh, um, developing imposter syndrome. So we're talking about um, people who, the high achievers, the people who have done very well in their career, they have yeah. attained a position of uh, of prestige in some way, shape, or form, and they feel like they they don't deserve that role, right? Yeah, absolutely that. And uh, like you know, they're, they're they're held in high regard by their peers, but they don't necessarily believe that. The uh, that um, people will tell them, "Oh, great, that's good work you've done. You know, you really appreciate it in this group." But they, if if you're suffering from like imposter syndrome, then then you don't you don't hear that. Like it's easy to think people are saying that because they want something from me, or they're just being nice, or like, you should, or you should, you're just deaf to that kind of praise. Um, See, and it, sorry, go. On. So, so, so to me, that the, the you don't necessarily have have um, imposter syndrome. I think if you're deaf to praise, hmm. I think I mean that, obviously that happens anyway. Some people are oh, just sure. some people are just modest. They, they oh, don't yeah, really absolutely. want, you know, they, or they don't know how to handle praise. But we're talking Ooh. specifically, now, I did a little bit of reading on imposter syndrome before, so I'm certainly no expert. You know, hopefully that's where, no, where you either. come in here, Gordon. You've got imposter syndrome about <laughs> being the expert on imposter syndrome. <laughs> um, so I, I, read, I read somewhere that it's not necessarily classed as a mental illness or anything like that. Um, it's a phenomenon. It's something that a lot of people suffer from. I mean, I read somewhere like Michelle Obama suffer, suffers from imposter syndrome. And again, people who are in positions of power, positions of prestige, ha, have got 
this inability to accept that they they have done well. Mm, absolutely. Um, so, can we can can we give any examples? Have you suffered from from this at any point? Yeah, I'd like to share my personal testimony here. Um, the uh, I I've been working in tech for twenty years now. Um, I started working on like a twenty four hour tech support desk. Uh, you know, it was uh, providing frontline Unix and connectivity support. Uh, worked my way up from there over the course of well seventeen years, getting various jobs, getting promoted. You know, working hard, doing a good job, getting promoted as you do mm-hmm. uh, as you go through your career. Um, but then over time, it started about I don't know maybe five or six years ago. Then I started to lose the confidence in the skills that I had um, uh, as I became more senior. Um, and in hindsight, it, in hindsight, it was not um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, in hindsight, it was all now I can see it was perspective. Uh, I was uh, not um, assessing my situation very clearly. But at the time, I really felt that my skills were not sufficient for the job I was doing, despite the fact objectively people were very happy with what I was doing. Did you feel but, like you were losing skills because you were becoming more senior, or do you just feel like you didn't have enough support there? Or I mean, what? Yeah, I think it was a com- combination of a couple of things, really. The um, I felt that um, my um, there was quite a lot of change going on in the industry at that time. Uh, Particularly for an operational point, operational point of view, because I was an ops guy by trade, and you know, got, uh, ended up as infrastructure architect. Um, then this was kind of the dawn of containerization and DevOps. Okay. So there was a huge change there, um, and I've always been keen on automation and scripting, and you know, doing deployment automation and stuff. But suddenly there became a huge number of uh, new technologies before. Either the environments I'd worked in before, which is generally, well, it was Solaris when I started, but that, you know, migrated to Linux. Um, and, but basically, it was either HP or Dell equipment in Iraq. Uh, and then we had VMware on. Um, but then along comes cloud. Uh, so you've got your big cloud providers. Uh, then you've got, it was the, in the container wars. So mm. you've got Mesos, Kubernetes, Docker Swarm, and all of these technologies that normally, Early in my career, I'd be like, oh, this is exciting. There's new technologies to learn. But where I was at the time, you're thinking, oh, no, this is impossible. How can I know enough about all of these to ever make an informed... Because I was in an architect role. Mm-hmm. How can I possibly know enough about these to make an informed architectural decision? Um, and then that kind of led to a whole feeling of, oh, uh, well, I don't want to put something forward because I don't feel confident enough in what I'm doing. Um, and that kind of led, became over time, became more pernicious and a sort of overriding doubt that I really knew what I was doing about anything in that role, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ultimately, I um, I quit work for a while because um, I just really wasn't feeling well at all. Um, didn't really know what was going on personally. Um, and then I took another job. About six months later, thinking, right, okay, I need to get back into work. Uh, let's start another job. Um, then uh, start the job, day one. Um, kind of all right, but by the end of the week, I was in a total mess. Uh, right. I, I had to resign that job at the end of the week. Um, I was, like, was, was I, that an environmental thing, or was that because of the imposter syndrome? Do you, do you look think, back at it retrospectively? And Yeah, I think I had other issues going on as well. Um, but certainly imposter syndrome was quite um, key for me there. It was a similar job to what I had before. It paid more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a more complex environment in some respects. And I think I felt that I was not in a position to be good enough for that role, that there is no way I, I would be able to justify the money they were paying me. Like, how could I be worth this money? In hindsight, that's ridiculous because, you know, they, uh, I knew a few of the people there before, they knew my history. Uh, they, and obviously I'd interviewed and they'd offered me the job and were happy for me to start. So, you know, think about it now. Think, well, or in the that. previous role, but, you look at the way that you got to that position, you were promoted to that position and you, you worked for that position as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But all, all this kind of went to the side and mm. I kind of lost my objectivity because I, I wasn't 
critically analyzing what I was doing, um, and I was just being overridden by doubt. By doubt. Hmm. Uh, but then this kind of imposter syndrome, as you mentioned, isn't a, isn't like a mental illness or um, it's it's really just a description of a few kind of things about how you might be thinking about things. But what it really can lead to is like anxiety and depression. Yeah. Um, and then you know after this incident, I was signed off for work for like a few months, and then 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 I needed to reconsider what it is I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and to stop doing that kind of big corporate architecture work, uh, and then went off to stand, found the startup that we now do. Uh, which is very much more on our kind of um, much more on the kind of basis in which I want to work. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, there are plenty of days I think we don't have a clue what we're doing, but you know. That's, so, do that's, you? That's that's, that's, that's an interesting thing to explore. Then, so do you? Um, do you currently suffer from imposter syndrome in any way? With, uh, I mean, is it is it because you've got peers? You had peers, or now because you work, you essentially work on your own. You have clients and you have a business partner. I don't. I don't think you have any more stuff. Is no, that right? Yeah, no, just the two of us. So, do you feel like you've got imposter syndrome right now? Now, no. But when when I do feel it is uh, certainly used to is when we go to exhibit our software uh, events. When you're, you know, we go to um, a few trade shows to sell our software. Um, we're there. We've got a banner. Uh, you know, get the laptop out. Do some demos. First couple of times we did that, you know, it was like, what on earth are we doing here? Uh, how, how, who are we to be in here, like, trying to sell our stuff? But again, that's now, success. That's a success that you're you're associating that with. Mm. You've, you've made an impact in some way. You've got to this position. Fair enough, you might have bought the stand, you know, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You still, you, you've got a success, and you're still mm. saying that I'm not, I don't, not, I'm not worthy of being here. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. <clears throat> and and now now I don't feel that anywhere near as much. Sometimes I do. Uh, you know, you have a certain conversation. And you're like, well, hang on. Look. But at, now we're, we're more involved. Um, I don't feel that so much. I think maybe that's a, g- a good way to think about what are how do you improve your situation if you, if you find yourself in this um, um, you find yourself struggling with imposter syndrome. So before we move on to how to improve it and how to deal with sure. it, there's a few people in chat that have said a few things. Um, Avina. Hello, Avina, has said, um, I always doubt if I do anything right, and I'm pretty sure others can do things way better. And Volsharat has asked a question, kind of statement type thing, and he said, is imposter syndrome, generally speaking, something chronic? Because I sure do have days where I feel like I'm not skilled enough for the job and just faking it all. But on other days, I feel, well, not confident, but not inconfident. So yeah. it feels normal. It feels like he's he's uh-huh. doing his job. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, th- I think, um, to some extent, it's, how you define that yourself and whether it's causing you a problem. Uh, it, it's certainly normal to spend some days and think, oh, I don't have a clue what's going on here. Like, I, I, I don't feel like I belong in this meeting or something. And like, and, but then the next day, be like, oh, no, it's great. I'm on this. You know, uh, like you've learned some new technology or you've learned that you've got into a new um, like business relationship or something. Uh, and then things return to normal. But when it becomes a problem is when it's when it is more chronic um, and it's a situation that becomes more of a spiral. So like, I think identifying you, that's important as well. Figuring out and you, and you can't always self-identify it. No. If you've got a manager, if you're a permanent employee, and you've got people that you work with, having someone there, you know, who's good at managing you or, or identifying your issues is is very valuable. Yeah, in that and it's it, it's hard to. Um, because if you th- feel you're an imposter, you can easily feel that you can't ask for help. Uh, because if you do, then you will be found out, or you will think that you will. Like by reaching for reaching for some help, you might think, "Oh, well, I can't ask my boss because then he'll realise that I'm not all worth this money I'm being paid." Which is, I, I would encourage anybody to reach out for help Absolutely. because that is just your. In- there's a. And that is just your self-doubt talking to you to tell you that like, now, you can't do that. There are two different types of people that you would reach out to. In uh, This is very black and white. Obviously, there's lots of shades of grey here. But there are the people who will support you, the managers that will support Not necessarily managers. It could just be – it could be a, a colleague. You know, it could yeah, be 
it could be people three times a, 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 you know removed from you in the hierarchy. It, it doesn't really matter. It could be sure. a mentor somewhere. It could mm. be someone who works at another company in a similar role. Absolutely. Um, reaching out to those people who can support you and give you uh, give you a reassurance, because mm-hmm. essentially that's what, this is what it comes down to: reassurance and confidence. And then yeah. there are also people that you can reach out to who will come back. And unfortunately, they may laugh in your face. They may do things, but these these people, it's not your fault in that instance. These people are not confident for other reasons. Yeah, and absolutely. Unfortunately, I mean, it it may not help to say that, but it, it's also the reality of the world that these people exist, but those people aren't to be taken seriously either. You know. Yeah. I think, Absolutely. I think if we start looking at how you overcame, because mm. I mean, you, you you said you obviously haven't fully overcome your imposter oh, syndrome. Yeah, yeah. still um, comes and goes. I, for me, I understand that I I don't have imposter syndrome, and I've never suffered from it. I'm sorry, but I know we've got this <laughs> running joke on the podcast that I'm perfect. I when you were talking about the cloud, um, the cloud mm. stuff that was coming in the containerization, it kind of sparked a memory. I remember working for a really large insurance company, um, mm-hmm. and I was surrounded by people who knew loads of things. You know, surrounded by processes that I'd never been involved with. Um, sure. I'd be surrounded by really clever people, and then other people who just seemed to be winging it. And mm. I, I found reassurance in one. I had a, a bit of a mentor because it wasn't an official mentor mm. relationship, but I had somebody mm. that really lit a fire up underneath me and really got me going with development and really inspires me even now. I just send him a message every now and again. So just say thanks to him because he's just, nice. he doesn't even know he did it. You know, <laughs> he was just loved what he did. Um, and then I've got, a, there's another person who's actually sat opposite him in this particular job. And he was, he was like a self-proclaimed cloud AWS uh, WCF expert. And I swear to God, the guy knew nothing. Mm. He knew absolutely zero. And he <laughs> just sat around eating crisps and being a horrible, disgusting slob. And it was just, to me, it was everything. It was the epitome of of failure in this one particular guy. But he was successful. He earned a fortune. He was the lead, you know. He was the lead in one particular project. And that said to me, anybody, anybody can be successful. And it's all up here. And it's all yeah. in your head. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, sorry, I'm, I'm just giving you a bit of my uh, experience. There, but no, no, yeah, I think because I was so young yeah, when that happened, I was mm-hmm. I've I've gained a lot of confidence, and I've had to do a lot of fighting of battles, and I I I also got a lot of um, uh, I was given opportunities, uh, or I grabbed opportunities when I was very young. I was an IT manager at 16 years old, for God's sake, you know, and I was running a small company, but I was I. I have fought a lot of battles and learned a lot of lessons very young. I also had some personal things that happened when I was nine. My mum and dad got divorced and I had a I had my own solicitors and all kinds of things. I, I learned how to fight battles. And only recently I've learned how to fight battles better. So that's that's kind of why I've got my confidence. But how have you overcome that? Yeah, it's... Imposter uh, syndrome then. Yeah, just to touch on what you mentioned about the guy there who's like should be identified as an imposter sitting there not knowing what he's doing but making the big bucks he won't have imposter syndrome no that some people are just perfectly fine for just getting on and like being comfortable with not really knowing very much and that's how they are the people that do have imposter syndrome are generally the people who are very good um, and the people that doubt that they're good because they know they have very high standards for themselves um, I say, right, this is what I see a good, like, let's say, uh, JavaScript developer. This is what a, my model of a good JavaScript developer is. I I am a JavaScript developer. Do I fit that model? Uh, and um, because generally you'll create this idea of what this model person is, you know, it's just your idea. and It's very perfectionist. Um, you have this idea of, and when you're looking at other people, you're just seeing certain aspects of them. So, like, if you're looking at other JavaScript developers, you're seeing them through that lens of right, that they they produce this piece of work, mm-hmm. like little bits of work. And you go, all right, look at that. That's very creatively constructed, or you know, I'd never thought about how that was done. Um, you build up this kind of, oh, you can build this mental model of um, that's what's needed to be successful in that particular role by um, by um, comparing um 
yourself against what uh, other people are doing in a similar role. Um, and that, uh, that can be very dangerous because this mental model that you, pick, that you create um, of what's expected is extremely perfectionist. Like, and it doesn't take the full picture of the people that you're modelling it on. They, you don't understand everything that they do and everything they know and don't know. No, exactly. And you you don't notice their failures. Like you will you'll see their their high blights, uh, and you um, you think that the bit that you see is additional to what you already know. Like you think, okay, I know this about like let's say JavaScript dev. This guy knows this bit that I didn't know. And he presumably he's really good at it, so he must not already know everything else that I already know. Um, and uh, I think I have a little Venn diagram that you could yeah. uh, possibly show, Chris. I shall bring it up uh, over my face. Oh, it's backwards. I'm going to have to bring it up over oh, your face. Oh, Sorry. oh right, okay. <laughs> uh, I'll give the viewers a break. <laughs> there you go. There it's up there. <laughs> right, great. Um, and uh, what this Venn diagram is showing is uh, how you can be thinking about things when you have imposter syndrome where if you imagine a circle representing what you think about something, let's stick with JavaScript dev, right? Uh, this is what I know about JavaScript developer. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have an idea of what everybody else knows about this topic, which is a much wider circle that fully encompasses what you know. Um, and you think, okay, so I know this, everybody else must also know, or knows what I know and more. Like, how do I ever like uh, relate to that? Um, but that's because you're only seeing a very small aspect of, of everybody else. Yeah. What What's really happening is, uh, and this is the second section on the Venn diagram, is imagine there's a circle of what you know, and then what everybody else knows is similarly sized circles, yep. uh, and they all overlap to a little bit. So uh, everybody in your team will overlap with you a little bit uh, to create very independent uh, people. Yep. Um, and independent skill sets that have some overlap. So when you're working on a JavaScript project, say, then those are your shared skills that you're, you're, that you're working on. But then also you've both got your own perspectives. You've got different coding styles. You've got different experiences of different technologies and you're bringing different skills. Um, and so the real help with imposter syndrome is to try and be... Um, uh, is to think more clearly about uh, what you know and what other people know, to, to appreciate this, uh, that one isn't, what I'm trying to say, to, to appreciate that it, you all know very, oh, sorry, I've kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> so uh, it's, to, the, the diagram says to me, when I look at this, the diagram says to me that we work better as a whole. We don't all know, nobody knows everything. And everyone is essentially scrabbling around, trying to figure out how to get to the next stage. Well, They're exactly. all learning all the time. You know as much as the next person, but they are—they may know other things that you don't. You may know other things that they don't. But to get to an end result, working together is kind of the way forward, I suppose. What if you don't work with other people, though, and you still suffer imposter syndrome? Yeah, that... It's a challenge in a startup, uh, as, as I'm the only developer on this account. Um, and I think certainly something I, I, I struggle with, particularly early on when we were new as a project, was having to make decisions about like what technologies we were choosing, what kind of you know approaches we were going to take. I didn't have anybody to validate that. Uh, mm. uh, um, but I think as I've overcome it, is getting involved in communities out there. Uh, I've been to a few uh, tech. Uh, like um, uh, conferences mm -hmm. uh, to, to meet other like-minded individuals um, and I think partly in our specific instance is just building confidence in the product uh, and as we get out there and we sell it and we get good feedback then you think well okay that's got that's come because of the decisions that we've made uh, and we're now getting sales and bringing people in and they like like the product so that that feels very validating the decisions we made are suitable for what we're trying to do. Yeah, doesn't mean if somebody comes in, you know, they've got a completely different set of, uh, uh, they've got a completely different perspective on the on the approach taken. They might look at what I've done and go, well, I've done it like that. 
but there's a million and one things to ways to do things that's the thing so, isn't it that nobody's going to come there's no two people unless they've worked very 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 closely together and agreed you know they're they've developed their careers in exactly the same way for the last 25 years or whatever which is rare it's very rare you know that kind of thing happening no one's going to come up with the same solution there are there are a million ways for me to be uh, to, for me to design a software system there are a million ways for me to just write a function you know it it's mm-hmm. nothing's right and nothing's wrong in this world there are exactly. preferred exactly. ways to do things mm-hmm. and there are p- patterns and practices that can be followed and best practices to to to, to guide you mm-hmm. but just looking at something like i don't know agile you know mm-hmm. agile is implemented differently everywhere and everybody yeah, laughs at it absolutely. and says agile mm-hmm. is is rubbish or, or we, we don't do agile properly yeah but uh, everyone does, it, does yeah. agile properly because agile is supposed to be, to be implemented support, supporting that team yeah it's supposed yeah. to be implemented in the way that your team can use it to its best ability yeah you might be able to make improvements but that's beside the point mm-hmm. i think the message here from from me anyway is that you can't just say to somebody, "Don't worry." You know, you can't it's say some, to somebody, "You are not an imposter," because that, that's not good enough. Yeah. They, they have to learn how to uh, how to overcome those fears. They have mm-hmm. to learn how to cope with that those um, doubts, anxieties. Yeah, yeah, and the anxieties. Because we, all, I mean, I I don't have imposter syndrome, but I do still get anxieties. Yeah, sure, only a few weeks ago, I was I was losing sleep over. Maybe maybe it was a little bit of imposter syndrome when I think about it. I was sat in bed thinking about lying in bed all night, could not sleep, four or five o'clock in the morning, completely unlike me. Because one person that I was working with just literally, they'd hired me to to come in and explain to them and train them on these new processes. And they weren't listening to me and they were putting so many barriers up and they were being so obstinate and quite rude in places, not just to me, but to other members of staff. And, mm. and I was, I was getting quite stressed about it and quite, you know, like, am I doing things right? It's just yeah. me. I'm the one who's telling them what to do. I don't have any, any kind of, apart from documentation that I read, you know, and, and yeah. Google searches and, you know, maybe speaking to other people like-minded on the podcast or, or in a networking event. Other than that, I don't have any validation. Well, so no, there was a uh, tiny little bit of me that was saying, am I doing this yeah. right? Mm. Yeah, the, the, ultimately, at the end of the day, there is no certification to say that you know how to do this job. No. Like, I mean, you can get a certification for a specific technology or something. But that's not. You're in a job, and it's ultimately you're building trust and respect with somebody. Yeah. And it, it, and it's that that it enables the effective communication. It, it's not. It, it's not some background thing of like, oh, I've been you know authorized to talk on this topic. Uh, you know, it's it's not like okay, right, okay, you've studied this for five years. Now we'll allow you to go and talk about like uh, Docker or something, whatever. The, it, it doesn't work like that. You, no. you, it's just you need to. It's about your own confidence in talking about that, and 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 then a way out of in, in imposter syndrome. The way out of it really is is uh, at its core. It's about trying to improve your own confidence in in your skill set. And the the way I find that useful is really challenging yourself and talking to other people um, about what you're doing. And trying to be objective about the feedback you get, uh, and try and uh, try and be realistic about um, what, what I'm trying to say. Talk to people about what you're doing, and uh, and acknowledge the success that you're having as you do it. Um, it's, it's I found it very easy to, and I still find uh, this is still a, a a thing I need to work on. Um, is acknowledging success. Hmm. So uh, I think it's, it, it's very easy to do something and you think, okay, great, that's done. Bam, next. What's the next thing on the list? Like, you, you know, Kanban is an approach for project management mm-hmm. where if people don't know, if is, the idea is that you arrange your tasks into priority and then you're basically picking them off the top, doing them one at a time and putting them through a process, which is fine, but it's unrelenting um, because you take one off the top, right, it's done. Take, next one, done. Next one, done. And and there isn't anything in that process, really, to say, right, stop. Uh, let's just take some time out and celebrate what we've achieved. Yeah. Um, 
and I think if you if you don't look at that, it's easy to um, it's easy not to acknowledge the success that um, that you are achieving, um, and it's easy to discount it. Something that's particularly in imposter syndrome is to uh, find a reason for discounting your successes. So there's two particular um, approaches people might take to a task. Um, and given a task by the boss, like, okay, you've got two weeks. Uh, some people might uh, procrastinate for, uh, you know, a week and a half or, you know, until yep. the day it's due and then blah, 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 and churn it all out in, in one day. And uh, somebody else might take the opposite approach and just work like nonstop, like too many hours in the week to try and deliver this, this amazing outcome. Um, and both approaches will deliver an outcome that is quite possibly perfectly fine. And the same sometimes. And the same. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But in, in both situations, it's easy to think like, oh, I, I, like say you're overworked. Can easily think oh well that's just because i worked really hard at this like you know i've been i had to work excessively hard if i don't keep working excessively hard i will get found out uh, and not acknowledging that um and there's a lot of perfectionism that plays. and that also sets an expectation that you don't necessarily want to or have uh, mentally are able to keep up with as well yeah absolutely it's it's, uh, it's a problem i especially in the startup it's really easy to overwork um, because there's always more things to do, mm-hmm. and you know there's there's always more um, uh, there's there's always more things on the Kanban board that we could be doing. And then the um, procrastination option, hmm. we so, we see that as luck, don't we? We see that as if if we get a result from that, we've procrastinated, we've waited and waited and waited, and then we've like you know like um, leaving revising for an exam to the last the last minute. Yeah. We see yeah. that as luck when oh, we yeah. get a good result. Because we yeah. didn't, we don't feel like we put enough effort in. Oh, exactly. <laughs> we, we, must, we, we must have fluked it because the question came up that was something that we happened to know. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly that. And you discount that. It's like rather than the fact, of like, oh, actually, I only prepped for a day and I based it, so maybe that's quite good at it. I think right. I think it's worth. Um, and again, please tell me if you think if you disagree here. Um, I think it's worth focusing focusing on the positives. If you are in, if you have imposter syndrome, focus on the positives, but certainly don't discount the negatives as well because they're just mm-hmm. as valuable. The mm-hmm. way that I um, I tend to work is if someone says something negative, as long as it's not just negative for the sake of being negative, um, and it's constructive, or I can take anything constructive from it. And there's a lot of anal- analysis and kind of dis- uh, like assimilation I have to do with with mm-hmm. feedback to <laughs> figure out how to improve myself and how to get better at it. But I certainly don't stress over that either. Mm. I don't worry about getting better (laughs) at the same time. Absolutely. I think accepting failure is key. Uh, uh, As as part of not wanting to ever be found out, you don't ever want to make a mistake. Um, And it's, but it's fine. It's just human to screw up and get things wrong. That's fine. You're not, people aren't going to judge you for making a mistake. Uh, ultimately, people make mistakes all the time. It's how you recover from that mistake yes. uh, that, that matters, really. And if you uh, repeat the, mis- the same mistake multiple times, you know, then then yeah. there's obviously a problem. There's a learning issue there of some description. Sure, sure, sure. Um, what What's also quite interesting um, is when. So we've talked about how to um, how to ask. How, well, that we should ask for help rather. That asking for help to me is not a weakness. I okay. have never seen asking for help as a weakness. Most of my jobs require me as a contractor who comes into a business or as a consultant that comes into a business. <laughs> I actually I fight a client if they try and say to me, right, well, if you need to get requirements, then that those requirements, you, you'll do that for free, right? <laughs> well, So asking questions <laughs> is the free process. Absolutely not. That is a service that I provide. I uh, there are people who whose entire job is asking questions, and then that's a business analyst, sometimes a project manager in certain circumstances. Asking questions is fundamental to the operation of your role and the operation of the business and the solutions that you come up with. If you're a solutions architect or even if you're a developer. Speaking mm-hmm. to another developer about why did you implement this function this way? Mm-hmm. Why haven't we got three classes for this instead? You know, why have you put everything in this one class when we could have three classes? It's not a 
it's not attacking somebody. It's no. trying to figure out the best solution for the products or the business mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. the team or whatever it is. And you mm -hmm. don't get anywhere without asking questions. No, absolutely not. No, I mean, if, if you don't go in with that approach, then how are you going to make meaningful, helpful change if you, if you, if you don't understand the, the, the environment in which you're contributing to? Hmm. No, absolutely, that's, that's vital. I mean, I can't think of an example where I wouldn't ask it personally. I couldn't think of an example uh, where I wouldn't ask a question. Can you think of an example where, or maybe something that you've experienced, Gordon, where you've not asked a question around something because you thought you'd um, be found out? Uh, I'm trying to think of a concrete example. The, if you, um, if you can't think of one, it's all right. I I'll just... I mean, I've, in, in many... Uh, meetings I go to when we do like ground rules often you'll have uh, one of the ground rules will be no such thing as stupid question mm -hmm. uh, to encourage people to just ask it any questions um, and I think particularly when I was going through perhaps my more difficult mental health period uh, and feeling like I didn't want to ask didn't want to appear stupid by asking something and uh, then problem is you don't ask the question and then it's easy to feel regretful for not having asked that question because you haven't like expressed yourself in that in that um, environment uh, and that then you know can then build on feeling like you're not you don't belong there because if I belong there if I felt like I belong there I would have asked a question anything oh, because I don't feel I belong here I didn't ask the question and that can kind of like so, bounce I... around in your head a bit until you kind of think you know hang on I'm just being silly ask whatever it is you need to ask because everybody else will is you know there to help you no, well, i'm completely like. the opposite side of the fence to that when i ask a question if i ask somebody something uh, let's say for example i've gone in to do uh consulting i don't know well we'll use agile and scrum again right it's, it's fairly recent history um, experience for me anyway so go in and you ask about agile and scrum you ask them about what their existing processes are or you maybe i don't know let's make Maybe you're asking about the implementation of an algorithm. Forget Agile mm. and Scrum. So this mm. algorithm is very complicated. Mm. Why have you implemented it like this? This doesn't make mm. any sense to me. There's sure. one I had to do an ordering algorithm for the way that sheets were printed in a warehouse. Mm -hmm. And it was the, the, the reasoning around it was madness, but they had to do it, and it made no sense whatsoever. It was backwards. Yeah. It was... Uh, one three five, like the the order was one three seven eighteen. It was like Fibonacci numbers or something. In the end, it's <laughs> ridiculous. And the reason they needed it is because the machine was a legacy that was being that was printing these things was a legacy mm. machine. And the way that the sheets came into the machine were a very specific order. And if I didn't ask questions around it and then say to them, "Well, why doesn't I still don't understand? Can you explain mm. to me further why this is relevant?" Then I would have implemented totally the wrong thing and wasted mm. everybody's time. Absolutely. There's, I mean, that might be an extreme example where I think yeah. most people would have to ask lots of questions, but <laughs> I would never hold back. I would ask, I would ask more and more and more questions <laughs> until I got to a point. Sometimes I do feel I, I'm not, you know, I'm not infallible. I do feel <laughs> like, have I asked this question? Did I not just not? Under, am I stupid? Oh, have right, I just not? Yeah. Have I just not understood people? Yeah, but it's yeah, still I, really yeah. fundamental for me to understand. Uh -huh. No, absolutely. And I, and I think generally in my history, that's how I would have approached things. Yeah. But when I've got myself into a bit of a situation and I find myself not asking the question that I needed to know the answer to because I didn't want to appear as a, an imposter. But historically, yeah, I mean, I got where I got because I wasn't afraid to ask people about stuff. Uh, you know, whether that's talking to the client to help them understand the requirements or talking to the team or management or whatever. That was all not really a problem. But then it became became more of a problem and then I, I guess I became conscious that I was doing it like that I was kind of not asking these questions and feeling a bit like a fraud hmm. but I didn't really know at the time what to do about that um, and that made it worse because I kind of I realized I was in this situation I'm like why am I doing this I don't really know and then that just led to more feelings of like anxiety and insecurity and generally in a bit of a kind of downward spiral because I didn't really appreciate at the time that what I actually did was just to talk to somebody about it and you know reach out and connect with various people and services. So we're coming up to the end of the show. Um, I want to 
I want to ask you one last thing. Um, sure. If you were speaking directly to somebody who's in the deep throes of, of imposter syndrome to the point where it's affecting the mood, the stress, anxiety, potentially developing depression or making depression worse or whatever, what would you be your number one piece of advice for them um, right in that? I mean, I know everyone's different, but sure, how can they get themselves out of that funk? Because it is a funk to me. Yeah. Um, I would, my one thing I would say is talk to somebody about it. If if you've not spoken frankly about how you're feeling about that situation to anyone, because you think, oh, I don't want to get found out, or like, what will people will people judge me? Like, you know, I've I've, I've got this, I've have a particular reputation to maintain, so I can't be seen to be weak. Like, these are not reasons not to talk to somebody because they're not valid reasons. Like, as you said earlier, asking questions and seeking help is a very strong thing to do. Uh, it, it's it's you see people do it and you think yeah great go on but uh, it's really it's very empowering so if you, if you find yourself thinking oh no I, I, I don't i'm a bit stuck who should i ask oh i don't want to ask i'd really encourage people to like uh, to find somebody to talk to and you mentioned earlier it could be like a peer at work just a friend uh, a family member like uh, you could if you've got a really nice hr department you could talk to them uh, that doesn't always go brilliantly well, but you, you've probably got a feel for how good your own HR departments are. Um, or if you don't know, have anybody to turn to, talk to your GP uh, and go and mm. talk to them and explain how you're feeling. And hopefully, you've got um, you know access to a, a, a good GP. Um, but talk, talk to somebody. Um, and if you find yourself in a an increasingly serious situation where you feel like you're not getting on top of this and it's becoming more and more of a problem um then uh, ultimately the samaritans are always there like if you if you can't feel like you can talk to anybody else you can pick up the phone and like, call the samaritans and they will be more than happy to talk to you about anything that you want to talk about like they are there to talk to you um so they're always there to be uh, reach out to if uh, needs to be but um yeah just 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 talk to somebody. Please. I I'm a massive advocate of talking in general. Um, mm-hmm. it, I talked, you know, if if my wife and I ever have any anything, the other week she was getting really frustrated and pent up because mm-hmm. I was deep in a contract. I was really busy, spending a lot of time upstairs, and I wasn't doing the washing up, which I <laughs> promised to her that I would do. You know, on an evening, every evening or every morning, I'd do the washing up. Um, sure. Just one thing, one thing in the housework, and it was really bothering her. Yeah. And she spoke to me about it after get, bottling it up for ages. Mm-hmm. Sorted. I've done the washing up every day since. You know, it's just something that, <laughs> yeah. to me, from my perspective, at that particular moment, was not a high priority because I had so much work to do. Sure. Um, and she was really getting bothered about it. As soon as we spoke about it, it was relieved. All the yeah. tension went. I didn't know... You know, it, it just sorted it out. Not exactly the right example, but talking no, to people. That's exactly it, isn't it? Talking that's to people it. solves so many problems because you never know. You might go out, and I don't advocate smoking, but you might go out for a cigarette break with somebody in another department mm-hmm. and you might mention it to them. Oh, I'm feeling quite, I'm feeling like I don't really know what I'm doing in my job at the moment. And they might in their department, they might be in the HR department, they might be in the finance department, they might say, you know what, I feel a little bit like that myself. And sometimes that's all you need to kickstart you and get you moving in the right direction. And it is the right direction. It's the right direction to talk. Absolutely. uh, On on my whole journey of mental health recovery has all all been about talking to people and and sharing experiences. Uh, It's very much the same, the work we do with Time to Change. It's Mm. run, run by people with... Uh, lived experience and their main uh, mission is just people to share their stories in in the community and like for people to uh, help people feel that it's okay to talk and um, it's been amazing for me to go out and meet so many people that have been in a similar situation because you know, at times you, you can feel very isolated and feels like oh i'm the only one feeling this way um but once you get out there and you start working through um uh, working through your situation by talking to people, you realise it's just part of life experience, and there's so many people out there with similar, uh, fascinating stories to share. 
Yeah, and yeah. all as valid as each other as well. And there's no such Absolutely. thing as a little problem. This is one of the things that I, you know, when, my, when I, yeah, I go back to the, the washing up example, there's been more serious things in my marriage as well. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'm saying is we go, I go back to the washing up example. She was so worried about speaking to me about it because she thought it was so insignificant and so small in comparison to the problems I was dealing with at work that it wasn't worth mentioning. And I said, absolutely, it's worth mentioning. It's worth bringing it up. You know, it's 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 bothering you. It's, it's yeah. a tiny little thing, but it's really bothering you. And that's what what really matters. And mm-hmm. I said, talking's yeah. the first step. And then absolutely. O- only by talking, you can't always do everything on your own as much as some people believe they can do everything on their own. People like me, who are a bit control freaky, uh, who, who like to do, you know, and, and come up with everything and do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, awesome. yeah. a problem I mean, shared. What's, what's the adage? It's a problem, uh, problem shared is a problem, problem halved. halved. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, I'm certainly, uh, having gone off and set up my own business with a friend, I think we've both got a certain amount of uh, stuff that we'd like to just crack on and be able to do ourselves. So that's certainly a thread that runs through us. Um, one thing I'd just like to mention, if, if you're, uh, yeah. is for, um, is part of the Time to Change campaign is uh, In Your Mate's Corner, uh, which is, uh, and part of that is a thing called Ask Twice. So it, in part of, um, you know, normal conversation, how are you? All right, yeah, all right, yeah, I'm like, but um, it's, the, they they have a campaign that encouraging people to ask, you know, actually, how are you all right? Uh, and particularly in the workplace and with your mates, just keep an eye out for people that do look a bit under the weather or they look a bit miserable or, you know, they're not engaging with like conversation or something and just have a chat and ask them if they want to go for a cup of tea or something. See, yeah, that's the kind of thing try I and do. Facilitate that conversation. I, I always, I not necessarily, I don't have that mantra in my head, but I do, you know, if someone says that, you know, they're okay and they're clearly not clearly okay, not. I don't mm. just ignore it. Mm. I will almost sometimes make it a little bit uncomfortable. And mm. not, I don't mean in a like a really horrible, awkward way. But yeah. are you are you sure you're all right? Yeah. Are you you know? Do you really want a cup of tea? Do you want a cup yeah. of tea? You know, like, mm-hmm. I'll continue to to, to mm-hmm. drive if I've got a close enough relationship with them anyway. Yeah. Continue mm-hmm. to drive something out of them, and eventually yeah. they do <laughs> they do come yeah. up with them. And that's that's often, that's often all that someone needs is like that opportunity to have a chat and then talk about how they're feeling about things, and then you know, and then yeah. they're off. So, yeah. Okay, so we are at the end of the show. Thank you very much to everybody in chat. There's been a little bit going on. Thank you to Volstrat. Thank you to Uvina. And, of course, as always, thank you to you, Gordon. So it's no, Thank you, Chris. Pleasure. It's been brilliant having you on. Um, if you've got anything to pimp, anything to uh, to talk about, any side projects or your business, please do so now. Uh, yeah, my business is, well, it was a side project that became my life. Um, the, uh, yeah, but we're Lineup Ninja. We make software to help plan uh, conferences and festivals so if you do anything like that check us out at lineup.ninja is it just conferences and festivals or is it any kind uh, of event well uh, any kind of event where you're um uh when you need to gather proposals to speak so uh what we do is we have a, a call for papers flow so you okay. can run, run a call for papers people submit uh you can grade them in various different ways choose which ones you're going to accept wait list and, uh, and so on uh and then um you can then turn those into uh, uh, migrate them into our agenda management, uh, and there we, we help you plan the agenda for your day. And right, you, so you might have like two or three hundred sessions that need to be planned at your event. And what we do is help you check that people are available at the right time. You have double booked somebody. You can just confirm that everybody's available. Like click at one button, and we'll email everybody. And um, a real key is automating a lot of the communication that you would do by hand if you're doing yeah. this with Excel spreadsheets. See, um, I'm glad you went into a bit more detail there because I actually yeah. thought it was events management in terms of managing the tickets for the event and bringing, ah, right. bringing consumers yeah. in and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, interesting. It's, it's very, very, sorry, go on. So I say, Volstrat has just quite rightly put me on my place. He's doing Josie's mm-hmm. job today, and he's told me that I've forgotten the RTFM, oh, which right. I have. So the RTFM, sorry, sorry to jump in there, Gordon. Um, the RTFM is a section where we have a whinge about something in the world. It doesn't necessarily have to be development related um, before the end of the show. And uh, I mean, have you got anything that you want to have a bit of catharsis on at the moment, Gordon? Oh, uh, well, last night I was up till one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, because asynchronous programming is really hard. Uh, it can be. The, yeah. It can the, be. Uh, had a defect reported by one of our clients where 
some information just wasn't showing up in where it was supposed to. Uh, and it looked like the data might have been lost, but um, from their point of view, um, because it just wasn't showing up. But then kind of digging into it, you know, think, right, okay, this code's been in use for a while now, and uh, like really going into the details of what was happening. Uh, and just turned out we were writing some stuff to the database, and then, but also like querying it at the same time. And we were fetching it back before that write had completed. Right. Uh, and it's just it's like, oh, you know, it's so, it's so kind you're... of thing. It, it's it's a common mistake when you try to do this async stuff, I guess. But yeah, it's just like, oh, it should somehow be easier. I don't know. Wave magic wand. Yeah. Make this stuff easier. Lots of mitigations you can put in place, but yes, uh, sure. The sure, specific yeah. use case, I'm sure, is uh, is difficult. Yeah, it was just that one particular edge case of a particular situation that I hadn't really thought through. Mm. What's that? So uh, my, my RTFM is uh, about about events. Weirdly, mm-hmm. I went to an event last weekend, um, and somebody was in front. My RTFM is pushing in in queues. Oh, <sighs> now I'm English, right? So I'm sorry, but we know how to queue in England. Mm-hmm. We know that there's a certain level of etiquette and there's a certain level of manners that you should have. Mm-hmm. Don't push mm-hmm. in in front of somebody, and especially if you push in and then get called out about it. Because mm-hmm. I'm not—I'm a vocal person, as everybody knows. I—I mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, so that's how it is, is it?" When these people mm-hmm. pushed in, they, they pushed yeah. in because the somebody in front of us waved at them and went, "Oh, hello!" And they just came in and they had a group of kids with them, and then there was an adult, but the adult looked like a child from behind. So I just thought right. it was a group of kids, mm-hmm. and I just said, "Oh, is that—is that how it is then? You just push in without asking or anything? Um, nothing." Absolutely right. nothing back from them right. whatsoever, and right. I said, "Well, that's, that's, that's what, what's going on with manners? Then are we not? Are you are you not going to go back to where you were in the queue? Nothing, right. absolutely well, nothing. Totally right. What can you what can you do? I mean, they looked at me eventually after I, mm. and then we, there was a kerfuffle going on in front of us because they were stamping people's hands um, mm. to get into the event, and yeah, I was just it's just the rudeness of it, the the, the pure rudeness of it, and it really." Really yeah. got my goat, and yeah, one of the things absolutely. I keep thinking back to and going, they could have just went. There were only two or three people behind me. I didn't care that they were in front of me. They could have just asked me, "Do you mind mm-hmm. if I, we stand with our friends?" Mm-hmm. I yeah, might no, have said no. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, sure. I might yeah, have done, yeah. but I probably yeah. went. Oh, yeah, it's fine. There's, yeah, sure. there's yeah, but yeah. no acknowledgement. No, mm-hmm. no. Oh, sorry. Um, these are we, we went back to the car, and you know we we've come we've no nope, just blanked. Yeah. Wow, rude. Wow. Yeah, rude. I mean, you know, queuing is pretty fundamental to life in this country, right? It is. Yeah. It is. It's it's, a, it's an art. If I, if I can just have an extremely quick non-tech-related whinge. Yes. Uh, si- signaling at roundabouts. Right. <laughs> oh my word! Right, it's not hard. How oh, to use roundabouts? Right. That's a good job. Well, I mean, I said Josie. Josie's lived in England for a long time, but Americans—they uh, don't know how to use roundabouts. No, no, <laughs> no, they're not very familiar with them. Are they? <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, it's not difficult to indicate properly at roundabout. Read the highway code; it tells you what to do. Uh, that, that's the other takeaway. If, well, well, once you've reached out about your mental health, or you've spoken to somebody else's, grab a copy of the Highway Code and read how to indicate it roundabout. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a lot of road issues. I mean, I'm a cyclist, so I'm I've got I'm a vulnerable road user, as they call us. And mm-hmm. there are some real. I mean, the people that have got such a a problem with cyclists, um, just in general, and the, the danger they put lives in danger every day, riding so close to them and mm-hmm. and cutting them up. And you know, I'm I'm very clear with my signalling. I you know I take the road when I need to take the road and make sure it's safe. I'm I, I'm taking minus one second off your day by you standing oh, behind me. Or, you know, for, anyway. Yeah. So someone it. pulls in front of you and then immediately slows down. And- yeah. So I'll use that as another RTFM some other day. I'll, right. I'll have a good old whinge about road <laughs> users that don't at least respect cyclists. But mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, I did cut in, in a little bit then um, when you were doing your pimpage. Was there anything else you wanted to, to pimp, Gordon? Uh, not really. Follow me on at Gordon J on Twitter. Uh, All below his name. Various uh, mental health things. Uh, but I don't else want to pimp. Uh, no, that's it. Okay, good stuff. So, on to our pimpage. You can visit our website, www.dnistream.live, for links to all our social media channels and our Discord, which Gordon is in our Discord. He is a, a long-term and, in fact, one of the largest contributors, I think. You do get involved with conversations quite a lot. I which is when I can. Very much welcome, because it's, uh, it's some good combos that go on in there. Um, you can use it to contact us for any reason as well. Um, if you want to be a guest on the show, you've got a topic ideas, or you've got any questions, uh, or anything else that you feel is relevant, or even praise. Or you, or you need to reach out, in fact. If you suffer from <laughs> imposter syndrome and you need someone to offload to, or just say something to, 
we're not therapists, but we'll listen, you know? Oh, absolutely. If anybody's got any comments arising from today and would like to chat further with uh, myself and Chris, please do come in the Discord. Both yeah. be in there. Or, or contact us on Twitter or DMs or anything like that. Mm. Honestly, I am a, I may come across like an obnoxious loudmouth on on the streams, but <laughs> I, uh, I do my best to be a nice person in real life. So, yes, so that's it. Anything, uh, any, uh, if, oh my, all that is left to say is goodbye. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.